Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. Hey, I know you thought probably thought, oh, man, they went from every other week, and now it's going to be every two weeks, and it's going to be a once-a-month once a month podcast, but no, just a little bit later. Things have been crazy in the fiscal year push at my work. We had cheer games, which that season's almost over. I'm ready for October. Yeah, it. I I like cheering. It's fine, but it does get tiring. Not that I'm even doing it, but it's still tiring. We're just not like super scheduled people. Like there are some people out there I know that their kids are multiple sports and they're like, okay, someone's got practice here this night. And then someone else at the same time is going here. And then there's a game here. And I'm glad we don't do that because we just, we can't handle it. We're not those kind of people. Yeah. We have a kid doing one thing and it's like the end of the world. (laughs) We're like, this might be too much. (laughs) What can you do? But we are here better late than never. I mean, we're just pretty okay. What can we what can we do about it? Nothing. 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 But let's talk about some news because there are some pretty cool things out there. And my uh, correspondent in the field happens to be a Red Raven fanboy. So he said, you know, you really should talk about the newest Red Raven uh, campaign. And that would be Creature Caravan. Now, I've not played a Red Raven game that I can think of. Yeah, we played one. Oh, we did? That little artifacts one where you're rolling dice and putting oh, the dice on the cards. Oh, right. Yeah. I did not, not a like great it. one. Not like one of their like better it. ones, but yeah, it is one. My favorite thing about them, and I see them in the store and want to pick them up and want to play them. I want to play them. The artwork, I love it so much. And this Creature Caravan... Uh, it's no exception. So this apparently is another game in the um, land, the Arzium. I guess it's a whole realm thing they've got going on. Couldn't tell you. But yeah, it's, it's, it's the near and far world or whatever. Yeah, so you are, um, there's some zombies coming and some weird things into Estray, Estray, I don't know. And you are going to try and help like, these caravans of creatures, like inhabitants, get out. So they're going to travel over lands. Um, the cool thing is, it's like a, a simultaneous uh, dice placement game, which is cool. Um, there's a lot of neat stuff in this. So there's like a map where you're moving your caravan across. You're also playing cards in front of you then. And like these tableaus like give you powers. You can place uh, dice on them to activate them, which I think is really cool to get stuff. You also are like fighting off uh, things that are attacking your caravan, which is pretty cool. It looks like a pretty cool game. It looks pretty interesting. I mean, of course, I love the artwork. So I really like that. Um, you know, you're going across little terrain. It's like almost like a fantasy version of the Oregon Trail in, in kind of basic looks to it. But I know there is more to that because there's fighting and movement and kind of tableau building and dice rolling. So lots of different mechanics going on here which I think is pretty sweet. Um, Another thing, as part of this campaign, they also have um, a special edition of Islebound, 
which I know some people like. It's the Emerald Edition. So you get a new resource. There's some revised town actions. Revised building deck. Uh, looks interesting. I've not, also not played Islebound. But it's pretty. You could also get the World of RZM role-playing game in this campaign. So lots of cool stuff. Um, so if you like Red Raven games... Or if you're looking to get into some of their games, this this uh, Game Found campaign, not Kickstarter, Game Found campaign might be for you. So check it out. Uh, there's not eight days left on that campaign. If you just want to try Creature Caravan, if you just want to back that, it is 50 bucks, which is not a bad deal. If you want all the stuff they're offering right now, um, new, like the Islebound Emerald Edition and the World of RZM, like there's a couple other things. Everything is $150. So for all the different games and stuff, it actually is probably pretty reasonable. So I'm pretty proud of what Red Raven is doing here is, and Ryan Lockett as far as Costco. So that is Creature Caravan. This might be, I actually have been wanting to try that Islebound one. It looks pretty cool. Like a... yeah. I don't know much about it, but it looks like it's a cool pick up and deliver game with the awesome Red Raven art. So 150 bucks is not a bad way to go to get into that, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't. Did you say if this is a big box game or is this a little game? Is this like Sleeping God size or or what? I don't Do you know? know. Is Sleeping God super big or regular it's, big? Well, Sleeping God is like a ticket to ride size box. It's a pretty big game. With no, I think these are it. square. So 150, the 150 pledge is you get the game Creature Caravan, you get the game Islebound Emerald Edition, you get the role playing game, and a couple other little side things. Oh, that's cool. It's not bad. Yeah, but you can also just add like one, pick up one of the games or whatever out of there. So. Yeah, I mean that's not bad. I mean I would like to try more of their games. I played two, the Artifacts game and Deep Vance. I played that with Mike. Um, but I've never played any of the big box games, and I'd like to try some. So, eventually, maybe. Yes, I would like to try um, Near and Far, for sure. The next game, we're back over to Kickstarter, out of Game Found. That place confuses me, so I can't stay in there too long. Old Kickstarter, uh, I think, a theme that is not covered often enough, and that is cheese. So, the game is Fromage. And if you don't speak French... Subtitle, cheese. So in the game Fromage, you are a French cheesemaker in the early 20th century. So you're making, aging, and selling your artisan, artisanal cheeses. So you're trying to become the most prestigious cheesemaker in France. I love it, right? Like, oh my gosh, I love, I love cheese. I like all different kinds of cheese. And a game about making cheese, it's great. I mean, everyone's like, why? We got a bunch of wine making games. We do not have much cheese making games. So, uh, Fromage has simultaneous worker placement game and there's a rotating board. It's crazy. Um, what's also interesting is it was designed by the designers of Search for Planet X Ugh. and developed and published by the Canvas guys. Okay. All right. Let's bring me back. What an interesting combo, right? Um, so the game board is on a lazy Susan and it features these wedges. Haha, <laughs> cheese suited there. Um, and there's like little like so it's slot inserts and stuff goes underneath them and like changes up the cheese and stuff. 
crazy town. Like, it's cool. There's tons of replayability with that because you can, like, switch up the cheeses all the time and the wedges. Amazing. There's, like, worker meeples that sit on top of cheeses. (laughs) I love it. I mean, come on. There's also, like, cow meeples and sheep meeples, sheeples and cowpul mooples. I don't know. (laughs) Mooples. (laughs) (laughs) And goatles. I don't know. And like little barns and stuff. Oh, I love the wood tokens, the structures and the fruit. That's so awesome. Um, So the, the, the player or the main board rotates around and then everyone's got like asymmetric player boards or you also can like draft like your abilities, which is kind of cool too. So that's like even more stuff, right? So there's two editions. There's one that doesn't have a Lazy Susan and one that comes with Lazy Susan. I'm like, what the what? Of course you want the Lazy Susan. So it spins around. So what's really kind of interesting is you take your workers and you're going to put them on these different quadrants of the board, these different wedges. And like each wedge kind of has like a different mechanic going on. Like um, in one of them, it's kind of you're working for area control of different like regions of France cheeses. It looks like, um, or another one, it's like a festival. You're trying to like connect the groups of your cheeses. Um, you, there's another, I was trying to think of all the ones. Um, another one where you're trying to like fulfill orders for tables, like people at a restaurant that want different at the bistro that want different kinds of cheese. Um, and so then everyone will like place their workers and then the board gets rotated. And so every worker that you can see that's facing you that has like, you can see this check mark on the front of them, those workers fire off. So it has like a, almost like Zolkin like mechanic that after a certain time period, your workers like are activated when they come around. It's just crazy. So you're scoring in like these different quadrants with these different ways of scoring. And then like what you're getting and picking up off the main cheese board, (laughs) cheese board, uh, you're like building structures to like make your creamery better and get like abilities. You're going to get milk from your livestock, you know, your sheeples, your mooples, (laughs) your goat, goat, goatles. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, your fruit so you can do like jams or specialty cheeses and like you're fulfilling orders like it just seems like there's so many different ways to like get points which y'all know I love multi-pass of victory I mean I don't know if that's how this will work out but so many different little things and because there's a lot of like simultaneous action it's not really super long it's like super condensed it says like that it's really about 40 ish minutes but it has like this bigger euro feeling because of all the different kinds of methods that it uses i'm really intrigued by this if you're also intrigued by this check out fromage there are nine days left on this kickstarter um, if you want like the straight up basic pledge, $35. If you want the Lazy Susan mat, $49, which I also feel is super reasonable. Yeah, I, I was looking at it while you were talking. It does seem really cheap for like what comes in this box. Yeah. That, that $49 one has like 100 wooden pieces in it. I know. Yeah, that's great. It doesn't come with the Lazy Susan though. Susan though, just to be clear. It's just a mat to go on the Lazy Susan. But... What? 
Yeah, it doesn't come with a Lazy Susan. It's a Lazy Susan mat. A it mat says that goes on limited top of edition lazy. with Lazy Susan. That's not what it says in the pledge. Oh, well, that's what it says on the thing. It says uh, Fromage limited edition with neoprene Lazy Susan mat. Yes, you'll get a play mat to put under the board. It allows for a one finger push. Oh, okay. It- I was thinking like an actual Lazy Susan, like we have. No. It turns like one. Got it, got it, got it. <sighs> yeah, it, either way, that aside, this is a good deal for this game. The box art's really cool, too. I, I like the way that looks. Uh, yeah, I don't love the artwork in it, to be honest, but... I like it. I, I think the game seems cool. Yeah, fromage. It, it does seem cool. Legit. Yeah. And finally, a game about animals I hate, which has caused much controversy. However, the um, publisher of this game is called Sea Cow Games. And let me tell you, manatees are my spirit animal. So I automatically am inclined towards this game. And the art is Andrew Bosley. So I freaking love it. And this game is called Flock Together. It's a game about chickens. I hate chickens. I hate them. I hate birds. I know some of you like birds, and that's okay. I don't trust your judgment. That's okay. You you can like birds. I do not. But what I see from this game, I like. Even though this game is a cooperative game. But you are chickens, and you are, like, fighting to live your life independently you want to have your own like little established i don't know if it's a town or if it's just like a settlement but your chickens you want to live free free chickens just want to be free but since you're chickens like there are these villains who are like your chickens your your food so you choose a chicken there's like 11 different chickens and the chickens have really hilarious names like annie yokely um what what else is there? Uh, Wyatt Chirp, um, Agatha Christie, just hilarious. And they have like a little spiral bound player book that you use, um, Sherlock Holmes, um, and like you've got player powers in them. The character book is spiral, and so you can um, you got a backstory in there. It keeps all like the upgraded forms of your characters together. Really cool. Then you've got 10 predators and they're funny. Also funny names like owl, 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 capote, capone. Um, what's another, I was trying to think professor Moliarty. Uh, just, they're just, that's just funny. I just think it's funny. They're punny. They are very, they're very punny. So you've got these guys. So they're, and there's like, so the cool thing about this is, and it's going to reflect in the price though, instead of having like um, Kickstarter goals, like, oh, we're going to unlock this goal or this stretch goal. They just have, they just give you the upgraded components, which I know Jason is not great. It doesn't love, but Dude, the silkscreen tokens, the the wooden health tokens, the chicken eggs that are made of heavy resin and match colors that chickens actually lay. The cheeples. That's what they call their chicken meeples. <laughs> cheeples. I love it. Um, 
There's like a cool first player token. There's a weather vane token. There's resource bowls. The box is cool. Like it is just, it's pimp, right? So you take a chicken that's got your own abilities. Um, as chickens, you're going to like look for food and there's like food tokens and cards. You're going to lay eggs. You know, you're going to go from being a little chick to like a, a, a big chicken. And when you're a big chicken, you're going to use your resource. You're going to attack these foes. Sometimes they're just like grubs or sometimes they're like Moliarty. And so you, you're going to work to the Zakim to defeat them and use your abilities. You might take hits. It's not good. But you're trying to fight away the invaders. And oh my gosh, the artwork. Like legit. The artwork itself is is so, so great. I, I'm just so intrigued by this game. It looks really fun. Um, the layout of the board. You're your player like books, your player board. I am super intrigued. So if you like cooperative games, if you like chickens, if you like Andrew Bosley art, check out Flock Together. 11 days left and there's only one edition, but it is pimp and it's $79. Yeah, this does sound interesting. Um, I do appreciate the one pledge on Kickstarter, but I also get irritated by it. Because then if I don't want all that fancy stuff, tough, I guess, I could I have to deal with it. But Andrew Bosley has amazing art. I do like chicken games. Like Jim Hens is fantastic. So I don't mind the chicken theme. I think it's pretty funny. But yeah, seems kind of interesting. I'd give it a go if somebody backed it and wanted to play it. Well, and I think the other thing about the thing that they're trying to do, I think, with this one pledge, then there's no FOMO, like fake FOMO. Like, oh my gosh, I just, if I just paid a little bit more, you know, what if I never get this edition or what if that never comes in something else? And it's like, you know what? Urban yeah. gets the same thing. That is true. And it's good stuff. So, yeah, I I, I think it looks fun. So those are uh, my bits of news for this week. All right, so let's talk about a couple games that we both played. Now, I've played a little bit. You know, I played some more games other than this, but I wanted Katie to be able to contribute to this as well, <laughs> not just have to hear me, uh, you know, blather on. So we're going to talk about a couple of games we played a few weeks ago. They're still still relevant because we haven't talked about them. So here we go. So the first one we're going to talk about is a game from Lucky Duck Games. It is um, just some cards and a D12. That's what the players have, and it's called King of Twelve. And this is a game where everybody has seven cards, seven different cards. And you have a D12 die that you're going to roll to get started. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to have the most points over the course of a round to be the first player to win two rounds. And the way the game works is on your turn, you're going to pick one of your cards from your hand. Face down, everybody has the same cards. Face down, everybody's going to reveal. And then you're going to do the action of that card. If anybody played the same card, they cancel each other out. Otherwise, you're going to do what your card says. Some of them will manipulate your dice. Some of them will manipulate other people's dice. Some of them will change it from high score on your die to low score wins the round. And you're trying to just do whatever you can to finagle your nice, your die to earn points. If dice have similar values, they cancel each other out. And that will cause other people to maybe have the highest value instead. It's a, it's a pretty simple game. It's just simultaneous action, dice manipulation, trying to score the most points over a couple rounds to see who can win two rounds first. 
Um, that's it. it. It was fine. I like these kind of games. Their simultaneous action selection is always fun because everybody's always playing. There's no downtime. And they usually have low rules overhead, which this one definitely did. We played a couple rounds, a couple games of it, had some fun, and moved on. And that's kind of where this one lies for me. A nice little filler game with some chaos. So, yeah, that's what I think about it. So how do you feel about King of 12? Um, I like games like this because it's really simple. Like, oh, I choose a card, right? Um, but then it's like, oh, what are you going to play? Well, what are you going to do? Well, how's that going to work out? Ooh, okay, I know, I see your dice value is really high. So you're probably going to play this one. And it's like that kind of outthinking, outsmarting. I'm like, oh, well, I hope no one plays this. Well, oh, what if they do? Well, or I'm counting them to play this. And if they don't, I'm totally busted. Um, I like I like those kind of games because, again, it's so simple. Choose a card. But choices are key. And there's a, there's a lot to think through. Um, and I, Yeah. And the, the play can swing wildly. Like I think in this one. Um, someone else is really ahead, like the first round, and I was like, "Oh crap, I don't know what I'm doing." And then I think I won at the end. Yeah, it, it can go. It can, the tables can turn really quickly. Yeah, like, and it's, it's not it's super crazy. high scoring either. So it's not like, "Oh, we got blown in the water." It's like, "Well, I got you know nine points or whatever, and you had three. It's not bad at all." But it was right, it yeah. was fun. I I did enjoy it. Yeah, it's definitely got that prisoner's dilemma thing where you think that I know you're going to do this, so I'm going to do this instead because you think I'm going to do this other thing. That that kind of deal, which is always entertaining. All right, so next game we're going to talk about, and the last one we're going to talk about today is a game that I found at Half Price Books, and I only picked it up because of who the artist is, and that's Weavers and Santiago. I love Weavers and Santiago. And then I also know the designer is the same designer from Quacks, so... I figured I'd give it a shot. And the game is Fuji. And this is a cooperative game where with limited communication. What we're trying to do is we're rolling dice that have pips and colors on different faces. And you're trying to use those dice to move your meeple through these different cards to get away from a volcano. So you have to, like if I'm moving to a card and it says I need blue die faces, I want to try to have the highest value of blue that I can compared to the opponent or the, the player to my left and to my right. They're not opponents or teammates left and to my right without really talking about what my dice are. So we're going to roll. We'll do some communication. We'll do some silent dice manipulation and all that kind of stuff. And then we're going to reveal and see how all that plays out. And you're trying to move your meeple as far away as you can. Cause at the end of every round, the volcano is going to erupt Mount Fuji and it's going to try to burn you up. If it burns you up, you lose. If you make it to the village, you're safe and Everybody wins, but everybody has to beat the village. I like this game. I think it's fun. It's kind of funky. It's weird. It's different, but mostly it has Weavers and Santiago art, so that's enough for me to like it. But it was enjoyable. It's kind of hard to teach because it's a lot of, you can't talk here, so you got to kind of walk through a round to really figure out what's going on. But once everybody gets the grasp of it, it's just rolling dice and trying to have the highest of whatever you need. But I enjoy it. It might be a little long, but again, it was our first play, so who knows. So how do you feel about Fuji? Um, yeah, every time I see this in the store, I'm instantly drawn to it because of the cover art. Like, it's so good. Um, I, I don't I don't love games that are super brutal to you when you're playing cooperatively. And I didn't feel like this one was that way. Um, just, just dice rolling, mostly. Right, right. Which I sort of hate because I don't like 
how random this. I don't. I didn't feel like there was quite enough ways for me to manipulate dice. Um, but maybe that would have been too easy. I don't know. Um, so I do like that there's communication, but not all communication. I wish there were more ways to get like um, tools to help you. But otherwise, I mean, I thought it was pretty good. I don't want to play it all the time. I think there are some other cooperative games that I'd rather play than this one. Like, um, like maybe Atlantis Rising because it's a little more involved in some ways. And I feel like I can execute my power more often than I yeah, could that's, in Fuji. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, but it, it is much quicker, I think, than some of those games. So I, I don't mind it. But I wouldn't say it's like a humongous favorite at this point. Yeah, it feels like cooperative Yahtzee almost. Like you're rolling mm-hmm. and just trying to get different patterns of dice. But the communication, you are allowed to talk, but it's like limited. Where I, Someone will say, I'm trying to go to blue. And you'll, they'll ask the person to their right or left. And you'll have to say oh, yeah, I think you're really good to do that. Or, I don't know, that could be a little risky. So kind of telling them, if if it's ri- really risky, you probably have a lot of blue. But you just can't say, hey, I have a lot of blue. So it's one of those like weird restrictions for the purpose of restrictions. But even if you could say, hey, I have a lot of blue, don't do that. It would probably <laughs> still be hard. Yeah, um, that's true. But it kind of just makes it a little thematic, I guess. I don't know, but whatever. Yeah, so... If you're not into that, probably not a game for you. But if you like Weavers and Santiago, I don't know, buy the game, stick the box on your wall as art, and have at it. So those are two games we played. We will move on to the feature. All right, so our feature is something that I think I saw, in in a manner speaking, uh, talked about on the Dice Tower. And the fact that I actually saw something... <laughs> Uh, like a video or a a blog or whatever about gaming should shock you severely. So of course I'm going to like rip it off and make it into our own podcast. (laughs) And it was about games that are, that kind of our younger selves would have loved. So not necessarily games that existed when we were younger, but games that And I'm talking like, I'm thinking about myself from like sixth grade to like ninth grade, probably like the middle school years is when I'm think like these games represent kind of who I was, what I was into. So these games really would have drawn me in. Um, So Jason and I each picked five games. So not only do you get to hear some games, but you get to hear about us. And frankly, uh, I, I don't know if it's surprising that all the games that I would have loved then, <laughs> I still love now. I don't know if that says that I'm poor at character growth, but um, we used to have five games that really kind of would super have appealed to our younger selves. So, Jace, get us started. All right. So in case you don't know, which I, I believe I probably brought up before or Katie's brought up to make fun of me. <laughs> I was a juggalo back in the day. Now, I didn't have like Hatchetman jewelry. I don't have a Hatchetman tattoo. Yes, I did have does. a few shirts. I had all the CDs and I really liked ICP. Okay. So, all <laughs> that being said, and I drank Fago because I was poor and Fago was cheap. Um, if I would have been able to have Into the Echo Side back then, I would have never stopped playing that game. 
it's the best of things that I was into. I really liked, well, I'm not going to spoil it, but there was a card game that I really liked, and I really liked ICP. So if I would have had both of those things together, I would have left my basement even less. I would have just put on some <laughs> tunes, drank some Fago, and I would have been playing Into the Echo Side probably by myself because I didn't have friends, really. So, um, but yes, Into the Echo Side would have been a game that I would have played the mess out of. I would have made all my, my cousin probably would have played it with me because he was in the ICP too. He's not the smartest tech in the toolbox, but um, he could have still played it, I guess. We could have at least looked at the art and made fun of it. Um, <laughs> so there is that. So Into the Echo Side, that's a game that I love now, but I can just imagine 13-year-old me with Into the Echo Side cranking some Jekyll Brothers or Great Malenko and just down on some Fago and having a good time. So my first one is Into the Echo Side. Yeah, that would not have been on my list, that's for sure, because I didn't even hardly know who they were. Um, but when I did play a lot, I played a lot of card games. We talk about this all the time. We're Midwesterners. I played Euchre. I played Hearts. I played Hand and Foot. I played Rummy. I played, I mean, like every card game known to man. I love card games. Scout would have been a card game that I would have loved because and because of the reason why I love it now, it sings to those things that I already know, that deep Midwestern DNA in me of trick-taking games. I'm like, okay, I totally got this. And it's not even just like trick-taking. It also has um, like the rummy aspect, the phase 10 aspects. You know, all, before I knew like real games, I knew a ton of card games. And they're all kind of variations on those types of things, making runs, making sets. Um, and that's what Scouts is about. And just doing that creatively, like getting, getting done, like bull crap. Oh my gosh, we played that. Like BS, we played that all the time. Stuff like that. Like this Scout is like reminiscent of all of those kinds of card games that I really liked. So it would have been a really easy pickup. And, you know, we would have played it at every like youth group event. <laughs> like we played it on the bus. Because um, again, small, easy to carry around, just like a deck of cards. I mean, it just is that. So it would have slipped really naturally into middle school Katie's repertoire of games. So yeah, Scout is my first choice. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I probably would have liked that too. But We'll come back to that later. <laughs> All right, so I've been playing in a band for a long time, since I've been 13, maybe 13, 14. And I didn't know there were games that revolved around that theme, the like metal band theme or just playing in a band theme. So one game that if I would have had when I was younger, I might not have been able to play it because it's kind of beefy, but we'll put all that aside. Um <laughs> Is Thrash and Roll or Thrashing Dice, whatever. It's the same game. Uh, I would have played this like crazy. This is about, this is a dice placement game about being in a thrash metal band, learning to play your equipment or your, your instrument, getting new equipment, getting on the radio, making singles, making albums, promoting your album, and then ultimately going on tour with the biggest band in the world, Turbo. They're from Poland. I don't know what it is. But um, this game would have been awesome. I would have played this a lot. Just because I didn't know there was such a thing. I mean, we have multiple games now with this theme, but back then, I I didn't know. I don't think this game was around then, but if it would have been, I would have hunted it down and found it because that would have been awesome. So, 
My number two for theme alone, thrash and roll. Yeah. I, I really try to think about what are games that m- would probably have been at my level, like as far as gaming goes. Like, I, I'm not going to pick Lisboa or anything. Um, yeah, I didn't think about that. Because <laughs> I was like, that is, I would not have access been accessible with that i played like a i played a lot i grew up playing a lot of board games i mentioned this before like i played clue i played trivial pursuit i played categories um all of your generic like parker brothers kind of games i we played those constantly i always had those um so for me gaming is kind of it's just a, a very natural part of my life so I feel confident that I probably would have been able to play this next game because it is sort of card-based. It has some set collection, uh, pretty basic things, but the theme. Ah, the theme would have sang to young Katie, and that is Elysium. And the reason why I would have loved it then is the same reason why I love it now. I'm a huge mythology nerd. Greek mythology in particular, also Roman. They overlap. They just, you know, changed the names and made everybody angrier. Uh, I I loved mythology. In, in sixth grade, my English class, we did some study of the Greek myths. Um, when I was in elementary school, I read the Iliad and uh, was in like a competition group that created a play based on some of that. Like Achilles getting armor and I, I don't again, mythology nerd. I, I I'm I, just fully laying that out there. So Elysium, um, card game where you've got these different factions that are based on different uh, Greek gods and goddesses, and you are drafting cards to add to your tableau. Um, they have powers. Sometimes they have instant powers. Sometimes they have like tappable powers. Sometimes they have powers when they go into Elysium. Sometimes they have powers at the end of the game. That is like utilizing that, understanding that, working that symbols. I don't know if I would have been good at the game when I was younger, but I think the idea would have intrigued me. Um, also the fact that this game I think does a really good job thematically, like, the Hades faction works with bringing cards like in and out of Elysium. It's very thematic. That would have made sense to me then like it does now. So I think I would have really loved that. So my second choice, Elysium. Yeah, this is a good one. I wasn't super into that theme. So yeah, not many people Uh, were. (laughs) Yeah. Just nerds. Just Um, nerds. All right. So my next one may be a stretch, but whatever. Um, so I love playing Axis and Allies and Risk. Uh, when I lived with my kind of mom, me and her son, we'd set up our computers. We'd link them together with a couple other friends. And we would play Risk against each other on the computer. Not setting up a board. No, that's too much time. Instead, we would do all this and we would play Risk on our computer. With a LAN party. <laughs> yeah, all night. Yeah, they don't do that anymore, but a LAN party. And I was trying to think if there was a game now... That if it would have been around when I was playing Risk, if I would really be into it. I don't really love area control anymore, but I think one that might have suckered me in was it would be Crusaders. It's from Renegade, I think. I don't know. But this is a game where there's a little rondelle where you're moving these pieces around to take the actions. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to conquer different territories from these two different um, like 
factions of tokens to build buildings and score points. So it has a similar vibe as Risk, where you're going around conquering territories, but you're not directly competing with anybody, and it's a little friendlier. But back then, I wouldn't have cared about the competing, but considering I don't play those games now, I'd have a hard time picking one. But I think Crusaders, with all the Risk and Axis and Allies I was playing, I would have been a huge fan. So my number three is Crusaders. Yeah, I didn't like Axis Allies then, and I certainly don't like it now. But what that I love now, I actually played this tonight. Um, I played it with my friend Athena, because she's like my partner in solving crime, is Consulting Detective. Again, I go back to when I was in sixth grade, my sixth grade English class. Actually, it was one of my good friends growing up. It was her mom that was my English teacher. And I remember we watched an old film strip version of The Hound of the Baskervilles. And we read The Speckled Band. And we read The Blue Carbuncle. And I was hooked on Sherlock Holmes. Uh, there was an old Disney movie that I don't know that's everybody's favorite, but The Great Mouse Detective, which is like a loosely based version on Sherlock Holmes. Loved that movie too. All these things. I love Sherlock Holmes. I love the idea of solving mysteries. I always, Harriet the Spy was one of my favorite books as a kid. I love to solve a mystery. Now, I play Consulting Detective with friends. Now, then I would have played it by myself because I um, was an introvert <laughs> for a long time. I um, I don't know. It was really bizarre. I had like two friends, the one whose mom was my teacher and one other girl. And then that was it in school. And like the whoever my teacher was, was always my other friend because I was a teacher's pet. Like I was. This podcast is just getting sad now. Jeez. <laughs> Shut up. Oh, okay. Let's go back to the clowns. All right. You have no room to talk. Quit throwing stones in a glass house, buddy. Okay. It did sound as sad when I was talking about Lay a party. Lay a party. Okay. okay. That uh, did sound sad. You're right. You're right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I would have probably played it by myself because I, I get I love to read. Solo activity reading. Um, and there is a lot of reading in Consulting Detective, but it's also deduction of figuring things out and and relying on your wits. And I've always loved that. Always, always, always. My sister, I love playing Clue. I love playing Trill Pursuit with the trivia and knowing facts. And my sister hated playing with them with me so much. And I always had to beg her to do it. Um, so Consulting Detective, gosh, with the maps and the directories and all like the story. I would have loved that then as much as I do now. So Consulting Detective. Yeah, I don't like this game. I would have hated it then and I hate it now. I know. But you love me. That's true. And you played it and I watched King of Queens and I was having a good time. <laughs> All right. So I played a ton of trick-taking games. I play this in English class. We'd play it at lunch. We play, I play at my friend's house. Yes, I did have friends. I was kidding earlier. Okay. Back off me. Um, you said your cousin. Okay. <laughs> trick-taking was a huge, huge thing. And one trick-taking game that if I would have had back then, I probably wouldn't have ever played any other one, and that's Cat in the Box. So Cat in the Box is basic trick-taking game, high card wins. But with this one, um, every card can be any suit that you want. There's this little central board where when you play an eight, you take a token and you mark what color that eight is. If you decide you don't want to play that color anymore, you have to mark it on your little player board, and now you've effectively said that your hand has none of a certain color and you can't play it anymore. 
So you're trying to play strategically trick-taking rules, but you're also trying to focus on this board because you want to get certain like patterns of tokens next to each other to score points. And you're also trying to make sure that when the board starts filling up that you have a card available that you're able to play. So there's a lot more strategy involved outside of just, hey, you played an eight and diamond, so I need to play this 10 so I can win that trick and you know all that kind of thing. So that, yeah, this game would have just taken over. I would have loved it. I still love trick-taking. You throw me a trick-taking game and I'm going to play it. It doesn't really matter what it is, but Cat in the Box would have gone over gangbusters back when when I was a wee young lad. And yeah, that that's my trick-taking. Cat in the Box. Mm, I just don't think that would have... I think I would have been frustrated by it when I was younger, to be honest. Well, some of us could play games that were difficult when we were younger. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah, some of us actually, you know, worked on English and English classes and playing <laughs> card games. Hey, what can I say? <laughs> what can I say? Um, continuing on the English nerd front, I've known for a long time that my future, my life um, would revolve around words and literature. And so this game, which I also really like now, um, is Shakespeare. Because I love Shakespeare. And you're like, Katie, surely at 12, you did not love Shakespeare. Well, let me tell you. In 1996, Leonardo DiCaprio was in Baz Luhrmann's version of Romeo and Juliet. Here we go. It's getting sad again. Shut up. Leo is a national treasure. Okay. He's no Arnold Schwarzenegger, but he's all right. Oh, my gosh. Shut up. So I, oh, my gosh. I, that movie was everything like it just was so cool it was so different um and it was like just obviously Romeo and Juliet is a classic story for a reason that love and angst and loss and you know hey oh my gosh I guess I'll just start quoting it if I go on and Leo was so adorable. I did not wa- watch um, like Basketball Diaries or What's Eating Gilbert Great before that. This was my what? first. So int- good. Shut up. This was my first introduction to Leonardo DiCaprio. And I was a smitten kitten. And then Titanic and oh, it was all over Leo. Um, so Shakespeare, I've been like, oh, yeah, Shakespeare. It's so great. Um, and there have been like other remakes and actually fairly around that youngish time of me was clueless which is not shakespeare but it has these nods towards classic literature and for a while there there were a lot of remakes of kind of classic um literary plots done modernly and i was really into that um but also i've always been undaunted by early modern English. Shakespeare is not old English. It's early modern English. Um, so like freshman year, we actually read the play and I was like, I, oh, I already know this. I already know this. Man, Leo, right here. I know this. Claire Danes, I know this. Paul Rudd, very young Paul Rudd, even though he still looks exactly the same. Paul Rudd, also in that movie. Uh, but the idea of then like staging this play and like getting these actors, like, I don't know how good I would have been at it. Maybe now I think about it, a lot of moving parts, but I would have wanted to stage this whole production and do all this stuff. And just cause I was really getting into that, starting into the dramatic part of my life. <laughs> 
and also drama in general as well. Um, watching musicals and plays and things. Loved it. And I think Shakespeare would have really appealed to young Katie. But mostly Leo. <laughs> Speaking of Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> could you imagine if Arnold Schwarzenegger said to Juliet, come with me if you want to live? That would have changed the whole story around. Crickets. <laughs> it would have. You know I'm right. Yeah, I wasn't into Shakespeare. I'm still not really into Shakespeare. I do love this game, but I'm not into the, the theme of Shakespeare because speak in English, buddy. Speak English. It is English! No, no one talks like that. Oh my gosh. Just say your last one and be <laughs> done with it. Okay, so my last one, I actually made a little bit of a change. Because I was going to talk about Magic the Gathering, but I don't play that now, and I did play that back in the day. So I know that's a game that my younger self loved. My only issue with it was I was poor, so I couldn't buy any cards. So I had to use my friend's decks, and you know they always gave me the crappy one, so I could never win. That's how it goes. <laughs> so, so it's the same as now. Correct. Correct. Same, same deal. But I did love that back in the day. But I think a, a game that I would have actually been into had I known about it then is Catan. And I played a lot of Monopoly, Clue, all those basic games. But I was also into games that were a little more in your face back then than I am now. And Catan has kind of some of that. You're rolling dice, you're getting stuff, and you're blocking people, you're blocking trades from people, you're being just an overall jerk sometimes. And I think I would have enjoyed that, and I wouldn't have cared about the length of the game because we'd play Magic the Gathering for, you know, 10 hours at a time. So playing a three-hour game of Catan wouldn't have bothered me back then because I was a kid, and who cares? I didn't have anything else to do. But, um, yeah, I think if I would have had any version of that, because uh, there's some different versions, like we have Star Trek, that's the only one we have now. I would have really liked that one because that's awesome. But I think just experiencing what an, an, a good game would have been like when I was 13 that had some similar vibes to games that I was currently playing would have been pretty cool. So I know that one's kind of a cop-out, but... It's probably true. I think I would have really dug Catan when I was younger, so I had to put it on the list. So my last one is Catan. Even Star Trek? Did you watch Star Trek then? I did. Yeah, I watched a lot of Next Generation, but not like as much as you. <laughs> okay, but okay. I, like, oh, when, I mean, I like on, it, but I'm not like it. a mega nerd like you. I'm a nerd now. I wasn't then, okay? Okay. But I like original series because it's the best. You're wrong, but okay. Um, so since Jason is like, oh, I'm going to change it up because I thought, oh, we're both going to talk about games we actually did play at the time that we still would play now. Um, I was going to talk about the fact that I played D&D. &D. I uh, read a lot of the, the novels in the Dragonlance world. I love those. I still read those. They're so good. Keep hoping that someone will make a movie of like the dragons of autumn twilight, like that whole kind of little trilogy. Well, I think there was maybe four. Uh, why won't someone make that into a TV series or a movie? Anyway. So the only problem was the only I did back then. The only people I could play with were, you know, middle school boys. So like our DM was a middle school boy. So guess whose characters died in the first encounter and didn't get to play the rest of the time. Oh, oh, that would be all of us girls. I was furious. I staged like a mini women revolutionary coup. Even then I was so, I was like, what is with dudes in games already? 
It's a, I'll put that soapbox away. But since Jason's not talking about games we actually did play because he moved magic, a game – I was trying to think of games that were like D&D because I love the storytelling elements. I love embodying a character. Um, so I, I was thinking through several different things, fantasy theme stuff. And I really think, even though it's pirate-themed, I think Forgotten Waters, much like it appeals to me now, I don't even think it appeals to me as strongly as it would have then. Because, yes, I would have played it for hours upon hours – I would have truly embraced my whole character backstory. I would have done voices. Um, I probably would have put a costume on. Like, we've already established the nerdiness. And I had some nerdy friends. Um, I don't think Jamie listens to her podcast, but she would have done it with me because we were BFFs back in middle school. She would have done it with me. Um, and we would, which she's the person I played Forgotten Waters with, I think now um but yes that idea of forgotten waters being a very light role playing like there's some guidance to it and even you know at this age i i didn't know a ton about DD because i wasn't really allowed to play it (laughs) um by with anyone because they just killed off my character really fast before we could even try anything so being able to kind of have some boundaries and movement of story that were independent of some douchebag at 13 would have been great. Um, and I would have really got into it because I, I love that. I really do love role playing and I, I have loved it since I was a, a, a very young child. Um, so yeah, I think forgotten waters would scratch the same itch um, as D and D then as well. So so what about, uh, it, it, for your last one, what about Tales of Arabian Nights? How would you have felt about that when you were younger? I considered that, but I think um, you don't you don't get a lot of role-playing. Yeah, that's it's true. It's more like that's reading true. a choose-your-own-adventure book, which I did like. I, I did like that. But if the opportunity to have, like, the really colorful artwork, to, you know, to make up a whole character backstory, to, like, get loot and stuff, I think I would have loved that probably more than just getting cards and... Like you choose one, two, or three. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Just curious. I was just wondering. I don't know. I mean, that I consider that one also. It's in a similar vein. So those are the games that really we think. I mean, we don't know. And even if we could go back, would our younger selves listen to us? No. I don't think so. <laughs> I would have. No. Well, we didn't have podcast technology back then. Well, I know. But I mean, I'm just saying. Let's say we got to a time machine. The DeLorean shows up and we hop in it. Younger Katie would have been like, what? <laughs> I'm going to read my book. <laughs> I'm going to watch Backstreet yeah. Boy videos. <laughs> I would have been uh, playing Risk. <laughs> <laughs> so I, we want to know, like, what about you guys? Now you know a little bit more about like our younger, like junior high-ish, maybe middle year selves. What kind of games do you think, man, younger me probably would have loved this tell us um tell us in our socials i do try to check out the hashtag the riveted our facebook group which is the best place safe space uh, i will call you out on the riveted if you're acting a fool and jason will just basically boot you or something or warn you 
Yeah, um, I muted somebody because it was just it wasn't even really bad, but we don't want any of that in our, ch- our group. So yes. moving on. So I will check when people post that. So if you want to post in there and tell me what games you're yourself like, if you post in our other socials, uh, Jason will tell me what it says because <laughs> he sees those and I don't because I'm a boomer when it comes to technology. Uh, but I do want to know, like, I think it's a really cool way to get to know um, our listeners and what you would have liked then and uh just to learn a little bit more about you and cool games that might, and maybe even, especially if they're different from the games you like now, like what, what kind of games do you like? Did you, would you have liked then maybe that your now self is like, yeah, no thanks. I want to know. <laughs> Risk for me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Woof. That was a no then it's a no now. Yeah. You know, that, that would be interesting to hear. Um, what games did you play the mess out of when you were younger that now you look back on, you're like, Ugh, if I even see that game, I'm going to like throw up on it or something. <laughs> yeah, that'd be interesting to hear. Hmm. I don't know. I mostly played cards. It was Risk and Magic the Gathering for me. and Monopoly. I, I yeah, mean, I played a lot of that. Phase 10, um, Ugh. Uno. Ugh. Uno's yeah. all right. I'd, I'd still play Uno. No, no. No, I play Simon's Cat instead because it's better. It is better. <laughs> it is. Okay, that's all I have. I mean, now y'all know. I was an English nerd then. I'm an English nerd now. Yeah, and I was a loser with no friends. And uh, yeah. You're, you're like the Dolphins head now. coach. <laughs> yeah, the Dolphins head coach. Yep, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Sorry, I don't know if anyone else got that joke, but... <laughs> there was a meme with him that said, all I ever wanted was a girl to uh, get to know me and marry me. Everything else is just icing on the cake. Which is <laughs> pretty awesome. That's not something what like you that. told me. It was something like that. I don't remember what he said. You, oh my gosh. You've completely ruined it. Now it seems not funny at all, and like, why did you even mention it? Jason told me that he said he's a, a grown man who likes to play with Legos, but he got a woman to fall in love with him and marry him. So, oh yeah, that's right. It was the Lego thing. You're right. You're winning right. a game like seventy <laughs> by seventy points is just icing on the cake. <laughs> that's right. I forgot it was the Lego thing. That's true. That's true. Just look it up because Jason's ruined it for everyone now. Yeah, I ruined it. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I mean, you should expect it. It's fine. I know. What a way to end the podcast. Yeah, thank, ended it on a high note. That's thank what we goodness do. we're only pretty okay. <laughs> yep. Well, I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. I meant to to talk about how I got really snippy with somebody online and they told me that all my listeners need to know how like combative and sarcastic I am. I think they know, right?